When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Turn the Jets podcast. I'm your host, Will Parkinson, at WillPod11 on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. Joined by a special guest today, second time on the pod, Rich Cimini, uh, VSPN. Rich, how are you doing today? Do I get a prize for being a, yeah. the second time? I, I, I think it's a, I think it's a big deal, man. I've got, you know, it's a, it's a good thing. Well, I'm happy to be here. Thanks for having yeah. me. Yeah, thanks so much, Rich. And, um, you know, obviously, you know, exciting times, training camps, you know, pretty much coming to an end here. It'll, you know, conclude tonight, basically, with the uh, the last preseason game. We'll get in a cut down day. But kind of wanted to get your impressions so far of the team. Um, you know, maybe what you kind of expected going into camp versus kind of what's transpired the first three, four weeks here. Well, it's amazing. Sometimes I look out on the field at practice and especially when I'm looking at the defense and, and there's just so many names on the back of the jerseys that I don't think the average fan knows. It just tells me how young this team really is. And, and really the only recognizable names on defense are, you know, CJ Mosley, Quinn and Williams and Marcus May and maybe one or two others, but really not many. And so it just reinforces how young this team really is. I think Robert Sala his direct quote the other day, he called it a ridiculously young team. And so, uh, yeah, I mean, a lot of rotating in training camp. He's trying to get as many reps as possible for as many players. And uh, I think that's, you've seen that carry over to the preseason games, you know, the starters playing, you know, a pretty good amount. I think the joint practices have been a, a huge help for the Jets. You know, they're seeing things for the first time. Even guys like Mekhi Becton and the second year players are seeing stuff for the first time because they didn't have preseason last year because of COVID. So it's been a learning experience for sure. Does this team kind of remind you of any other Jets teams you've covered in terms of the youth, or is this almost mm. something you've never really seen before just based on how young these guys really are? Yeah, that's a really good question, Will. Uh, I'd have to go back, but I, I can't I, – I was just looking at my 53-man roster projection, which will be, uh, you know, posted right after the game tonight. So I obviously put a lot of thought into that, you know, try to come up with as much information as it, you know, it probably could change a little based on tonight's game, but it'll be out right after the game. And out of those 53 guys, I think I counted 19 rookies and second year players. So I could go back through my jet annals, but I don't think I'm going to come up with a team that's opening with 19 rookies and second year players. So it is, it is rather extraordinary. Yeah, it's, I think if I'm not mistaken, I, I don't know if you asked this or somebody asked this the first person. It was like before the first preseason, it was like 30 guys had never even played an NFL snap before between, you know, undrafted rookies, draft classes, all this. Stuff. It's it's crazy, yeah. which is exciting. I'm sure, obviously, you know, the potential. I know the team 
you know, you look at it and there's some people have loftier expectations than others, but at least there's a core group that you can, it's going to be exciting to cover and, and watch, you know, in the fall. Well, it'll be, uh, it'll be a roller coaster, <laughs> you know, and I think, uh, you know, when you have that many young players, especially in the key position, like quarterback, you know, you just don't know what you're going to be uh, in for every week. You know, if I were a better, you know, I don't know if I'd be betting too many jet games this year because you just don't know. I mean, they're going to look, they may look great against Carolina in week one, you know, Carolina is not a great team. So the jets, especially on defense, Carolina has got some issues. I mean, the jets could go out there and actually look decent and everyone would be excited and they could get smoked week two against the Patriots. So it's going to be that kind of year. Um, there'll be highs and lows, you know, on a weekly basis. So uh, buckle up jets fans. You know, one guy who's kind of had, um, it's kind of flattened out here the last, I'd say probably week or week and a half, but the beginning of camp was very up and down for Zach Wilson. Um, you know, the first practice, couple of practices I went to, I was like, well, let's see some stuff in other periods, like the growing pains and stuff like that. What have your kind of expect or, you know, impressions been from watching him and how he's developed through camp? Have you been impressed with the way he's kind of progressed or has it been like slower than you kind of maybe would have imagined? No, actually probably faster. Uh, you know, he did go through that rough patch early in camp he had a few practices in a row and including that scrimmage, which got a lot of publicity where he, and that was his worst practice, by the way, that scrimmage was like easily was just worst. poorly timed. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's like, I think he was really nervous that night. I, I really do in front of 15 or 20,000 fans under the lights. I do think he was nervous, but uh, you know, all that stuff coincided when they, when they were changing their practices around a little bit, they went from off, you know, they went off script, you know, running plays off script, which puts a little more pressure on the quarterback. And then I think he struggled with that. And was, that was also the time where they completed their final installation of their offensive playbook. So I'm sure his head was just swimming in information and you could see it on the field. He was hesitant. Um, you know, he just seemed to be lost at times, but, you know, grad, I mean, in the games he's played well, especially in the Green Bay game, you saw some things there that we hadn't seen before, you know, uh, that off-platform throw to Corey Davis down the sideline, you know, our next-gen stats people tell us that that throw was 44 yards in the air. So, uh, you know, that was that was an outstanding throw. Of course, I have to throw in the disclaimer, you know, he has not faced a starting defense yet in a game. And from what I understand, the Eagles are not going to play their starters on Friday. If they do, it'll be a cameo. I mean, if Fletcher Cox is out there and I don't think he will be, but if he is, it's going to be brief. It, it may be a couple of plays. So that's the thing about Zach Wilson. He has not faced starters. He literally has not been knocked to the ground yet in, in a game. So these are all firsts that we're going to have to see unfold. Yeah. It's, it's interesting. You like the, the criticism of Zach, not a criticism, but it was like a question for concern of like, you know, he didn't get hit a lot at BYU and then, last year especially and there's a clean pocket it was like oh let's see if he can do it in the nfl and then the first two preseason games it's kind of looked the same just because of who he's going against and obviously he's you know missed guys like elijah moore and elijah vera tucker who um and then kai beckton will not play obviously um the concussion on, on friday or tonight um how much do you expect zach to play i know it's been kind of some people are like oh maybe two to three series some of the giants game some people you know people want to see a half some people don't want to see him play at all to get you know not get injured the mark sanchez thing still uh get some people's yeah. head from 2014 oh, yeah, yeah how I much understand. would you like to see him play tonight of especially with no starters really playing for the eagles I would play in one series and get him out. 
I mean, and uh, I mean, he's had a lot of work. He's had four joint practices. He's played 42 snaps in games. He's taken every first team rep in practice. He's gotten a lot of good work this summer. And so I don't know what, how much more he's going to see by playing against the Eagles uh, in light of the injuries the Jets have suffered. And I know you can't play scared because physical is a foot, you know, physical, it's a physical game. There's injuries. It's a hundred percent injury rate in football. And, but still it's your quarterback. Uh, you're missing two starters on the offensive line. I would, uh, you know, I personally, I wouldn't even play him, but you know, I think Robert Sala is going to play him for a series or two and uh, behind the starting line in uh, the starting line, as we know it, you know, you're going to see George Fant at left tackle. You'll probably uh, see Dan Feeney again at left guard. So these at least are NFL players who played before. Uh, so, uh, but I would not uh, see a long run by Zach Wilson tonight. Yeah. I, I'd prefer to uh, just go into week one and get everybody healthy. And although they're, you know, they might not be a, a playoff contending team. I'd like to see at least the young guys that they've drafted and signed the last couple of years uh, yeah. kind of come to fruition. I was curious about maybe a few guys, obviously we can get into the Carl Austin thing, but has there been a couple of guys that have kind of caught your eye this camp that maybe either you thought I wasn't expecting this or wow, these guys are even better than, you know, I kind of, you know, went into camp yeah. thinking they were going to be. Let me look at my depth chart here. Um, yeah. I mean, for me, Corey Davis is the guy that I'm like, wow, he's, he's really like shown a lot, at least for me. Uh, yeah. I mean, I expected Corey to be good. I mean, he's, basically a thousand yard receiver last year with Tennessee, a couple of yards short of that, but he's a thousand yard receiver. I mean, I don't think he's a pro bowl type guy. I don't know if he has that kind of separation speed, but uh, he's, he's been very good. I mean, I have, and especially, you know, the last couple of games, he's really developed a good rapport with Zach Wilson, um, but he hasn't really surprised me. Uh, I'm looking at surprises here down the depth chart. Um, you know, surprise you know i think ty johnson's been a surprise for me he's been getting more reps than i thought i think this scheme this outside zone scheme will suit him well because he does have the ability to uh you know you know plant his foot in the ground and go upfield and accelerate and so that's why i think you're seeing more from him than say a guy like michael p ryan who's a physical runner but really doesn't have the kind of giddy up that they're looking for so uh, ty johnson's been a pleasant surprise to me um, Tyler Croft has been, I mean, I didn't expect him to be their tight end one. Uh, he has, has clearly wrestled that job away from Chris Herndon. Not that Herndon really put up much of a fight, but, um, you know, Croft went through some drops early in camp. I don't want to forget that he did have some issues with some drops, but he's played well in the games. And so that's been a surprise to me. And, um, you know, defensively, he's been injured the last, you know, week or so, but I think LaMarcus Joyner will be a surprise for the Jets. He's, clearly back at his comfortable position, free safety. He, he didn't like, you know, being a slot corner in, in Las Vegas. So I think he's got a chance to add something to the secondary. The corners, none of them has really jumped out at me. I mean, I've been looking at those guys every day and one day, one guy, will, you know, Isaiah Dunn will show something. And then another day, Brandon Eccles will show something and then they'll have a bad day. And so no one has really, put a stranglehold on that. So, you know, bless Austin and Bryce Hall will be the two starters. And, uh, you know, I think those are pretty much the surprises right now. I mean, Carl Lawson was a surprise. I mean, even they paid a ton of money. I was surprised with just how quick he was before the injury and just his get off was really impressive. 
Yeah, no, I, I'm on the same page as you. The corners, is, it's just difficult because there's so many young guys and there are a lot of late-round flyers. And it's like some of the practices I've been at Eccles looks awesome. And then there's other days where he, you know, he doesn't have good days. Like you mentioned, he doesn't have good days. And then you'll have – it goes on and on. So it's that's going to be obviously a position, of, you know, of, it's going to be a lot of learning that way. And then with Thompson and Sherwood, too, in the middle, like I think yeah. there's a lot of upside there, which is nice. And I think it will be fun to watch. Um you know, sure was a guy who was like, Mel Kuyper was like, he's the hardest hitting safety in the draft. And, you know, obviously playing, he's going to be playing Sam Linebacker, which is a little different than playing uh, yeah, safety. I mean, safety. He's had an interesting, you know, not only he goes from safety to linebacker, but they were playing him at Mike Linebacker all training camp. And, you know, he was calling, <laughs> you know, he was the, he was the second team. He was, you know, the backup, you know, the backup Mike Linebacker. And then all of a sudden Jared Davis gets hurt and they're switching him to, to the Sam to the strong side. So it's another adjustment for him uh he'll he'll probably be on the field a lot you know because they're, they're going to play you know your traditional four two five when they're in nickel and so it'll be cj mosley and probably uh jamie and sherwood as the other linebacker unless they want to have noah dawkins in that other spot that's entirely possible but either way the guy with cj mosley is going to have base basically no nfl experience noah dawkins has been in the league but he is i looked this up he's played four defensive snaps in his career <laughs> That's so, <laughs> you know, so they are incredibly young and thin at linebacker. I would suspect they'll bring in a veteran uh, before this thing is over. Yeah, I think the roster might change a little bit, you know, in the next couple of days. Joe Douglas oh, has been very change. active. He's very, he's been very active at least the first 18 months. I know, you know, in terms of waiver wire and in terms of picking guys up and things like that. Um, obviously, I don't, you know, I don't want you to have to give to me, you know, names and then people be like, oh, Rich told me they're going to get this defensive end. But is there any edge names um, that stand out to you that maybe, you know, a, a trade of like a fourth, fifth, sixth round pick, or, you know, a Derek Barnett or, uh, you know, you know, Granderson from New Orleans, guys like that, that stand out to you that the Jets could maybe make, take a flyer on a young guy um, to help replace Carl Lawson and Vinny Curry, obviously, who's out for the year now as well. Yeah, I mean, the Curry they thought would be at least a situational type player. And, um, you know, of, of course, uh, everybody knows, you know, he's dealing with some health issues, so he won't be playing this year. You know, it, they're in a really tough spot because the edge market is always thin to begin with. And then you're when you're a desperate team in, in an area where there's low inventory, you're going to pay a lot to get to get something. And so I think the I think they will make a trade. I know they're talking to teams. I think it's not going to be Chandler Jones uh, or Dante Fowler. I, those names are, you know, those are like the fantasy football type names. Um, it's going to be, it'll probably be a buzzkill, you know, when it happens, because it's going to be uh, like an unheralded guy, like a Cam Gill from Tampa Bay, you know, who's an outside edge rusher who has some upside. So they're going to look for a guy who's a scheme fit, who's young, who's not just a one-year guy. They want to try to grow with him a guy who obviously doesn't make a lot of money. And so when they make this trade, and I think they're probably a good chance they will, it's, it's people are going to be like, what? But I can't see Joe Douglas just mortgaging a future asset to bring in a guy like Chandler Jones, you know? And I mean, I, I would, I would try if I were him, you have, you have the extra assets. They have four picks in the first two rounds next year in 22. And this defense cannot function the way it's supposed to without an edge presence. I mean, it's just, you know, you're asking Robert Sala to run his defense with, without, you know, edge people and, and it just can't be done. So he's going to have to blitz more than he would like. And so I would do everything, even if it means overpaying a little bit, 
just to get a name in here. But, you know, look at teams like San Francisco, look at Tampa. Um, you mentioned New Orleans, I think Green Bay. Look at the teams where they have a little bit of depth on the edge, and I think those are the teams to watch out for. Yeah, no, I'm on the same page. I looked at a guy like Josh Sweat as well from Philly. Douglas was obviously, you know, there. Yeah, he's really um, good, though. He's I mean, really I don't good. Think... That's what I was going to say. <laughs> I don't know that Philly's going to trade him. That's the problem. Like, you also have yeah. to have somebody that's willing to trade these guys. I looked at a couple of people mentioned me on Twitter, oh, Marcus Davenport, which is an interesting name, but is New Orleans, they have depth. I mean, they have a lot of top-end talent at edge, but it's like you're either going to have to overpay heavily for a guy who's not hit his peak yet, which I know Douglas likes the higher upside. Um, young guys but I just you also have to make sure New Orleans and Philly are going to part with 24 year old assets like it's not like you mentioned it's hard to you don't it's not just you wanting a guy they also have to want to make a deal with you yeah I mean Josh Sweat is you know I was talking to some of the Eagles writers this week and and some of them think he's their best edge player Uh, now Barnett's an interesting name obviously Joe Douglas's fingerprints were on that trade that draft decision for the Eagles um, he's a guy who's really not fulfilled his potential. He was like a middle round type draft pick, I think, uh, first round. And anyway, 15 or 16, something yeah. Like, yeah, something in that range. Yeah, so he's never really, I mean, he's been mildly productive. I could certainly see the Jets making a call on that one and trying to, you know, get him away from the Eagles. I could definitely see a Derek Barnett. Uh, I think he's got one year left on his contract, if I'm not mistaken. So, yeah. What, I mean, like, how much would you give up for that? Would you, you know, would you give up a two? You know, I wouldn't, you know, that's a lot for Derek Barnett, but I would try to, you have to bring in somebody who's completely. You can't, you can't, you can't have to blitz. Level. Yeah, you can't have to blitz and like sit there and, and rely on um, a lot of guys that are like, you know, Bryce Hoff and John Franklin Myers have a lot of potential, but their potential is heightened by having Carl Lawson and Quinn Williams and Sheldon Rankins all playing well. It's hard to be like, I want, I need you each to have 10 sacks is asking a lot. And then leaving corners on an Island on top of that is yeah, you're pushing it. I mean, at least they don't play the heaviest quarterback schedule, which I think is going to benefit them a little bit. Um, kind of transitioning here towards, you know, tonight with the Eagles game and then, you know, kind of going into the regular season here. It's a little disappointing, I guess, from the perspective of AVT and um, back to not playing tonight, it's going to make it a little bit, my key was, I was going to ask you a little bit about the offensive line because in game, they've looked fine. Again, as you, you know, you mentioned as well, they haven't played, you know, the elite edge rushers on, you know, Leonard Williams and Preston Smith and Tendarius and Smith in place. But the offensive line has gotten a lot of, you know, um, kind of, I don't want to say criticism, just like feedback on, you know, they've got a lot of pressure after Zach Wilson in practice. Are you concerned going into week one or is it hard to make a judgment based on who's played um, together so far? You know, I am so uh, cynical when it comes to preseason. Um, I know we tend to overreact in the media and like, look, look, I'm guilty of that too at times, but uh, I mean, they did play well in the games. I think some of that was scheme related. They were getting the ball out quickly. And I think Michael Flores done a really good job of that, of protecting his quarterback in the preseason. But the bigger reason is it would, you mentioned, you know, they've gone against backups. You know, they have not, they didn't face Leonard Williams they didn't face the Smith brothers in, uh, in Green Bay. So they, and, and those guys, I wasn't in Green Bay, but you know, they were, you know, giving those guys a handful during the week. And I saw the Eagles practices and I saw Fletcher Cox intimidate the Jets. I mean, he just walked over to AVT after one play and just gave him a big shove like that. And AVT just stood there and no one did anything. So Fletcher Cox is a big man. You know, I'd be intimidated if I were to, but I think we can they trade got, for Fletcher Cox. I'd be excited about that. Yeah, that'd be 
I don't know, Philly fans are down on him a little bit after last year, but, uh, you know, he looks pretty good to me. When he's I healthy, I, w- I wouldn't be down on Fletcher Cox if he's healthy. If he has 14 uh, he, injuries, it's a different story. Yeah, he's a, he's a really good player. And, uh, you know, I, I don't think it's time to panic over the offensive line. I do think there will be a ramp-up period. I, I, they're not going to hit the ground running against Carolina because ABT will be getting his first NFL snaps. Uh, Becton's had some up and downs this, this summer. So that line is going to take a little while to gel. I think after a few weeks, I think they have a chance to be pretty decent. So I think the, I think there's an overreaction right now based on how they're doing in practice, but there are so many variables. They could be working on certain schemes. You know, they could, you know, they're not helping with the tight end. They're leaving guys out on, you know, islands. There could be a million reasons why Mike LaFleur, you know, the way he's calling, you know, these plays and joint practices, it doesn't necessarily mean they're crap on the offensive line. So I'm not ready to push the panic button just yet. Yeah, I feel like there's too many guys that have, you know, either high upside or approved. Like Morgan Moses, I know I, some practice I've been at, he's looked good and some he's looked bad. But he's a guy who had a really good year last year and was like a top six or seven right tackle. I don't, I think that sometimes these guys work themselves in the shape. O-line's different. It's a different scheme for a lot of these guys. Like I've noticed McGovern and Greg Van Ron have looked better than they did in, in Adam Gase's scheme. Um, you know, maybe that's a benefit to them. And, you know, Mekhi Beckton could be struggling for a million different reasons. It's like, he's also 22 years old, which is, I think he was their bright spot on the team that was very bad last year. So I think that's what's yeah. difficult too at O-line, right? Like tackles a weird position. If you talk about tackle all the time, it's usually probably not doing a good job. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a completely different scheme than what, the, what they were playing last year. And I agree with you. I think McGovern and Van Roten have made a smoother transition. Uh, Morgan Moses, you're absolutely, you, you nailed that one. I think he's been up and down in training camp. Um it would not shock me if George Fantasy was starting right tackle on opening day. Uh, I think most people assumed right when they signed Moses that he was the right tackle, but you know, people at the Jets were telling me, don't jump to that conclusion. They, they, we think George Fant has a chance and will compete. And he has been, and he got off to a slow start because he missed a, a week or so with COVID. Uh, so, uh, so that one's kind of up in the air. As for Becton, I think a lot of it is scheme related. It, it is not, it, it is not like weight related or conditioning related. At least that's what I've been told. Uh, I think he's just struggling with this is a movement scheme for offensive linemen. You have to be able to move horizontally. You have to be able to get to the second level. And it's not just stand there and maul your guy like he did last year a lot. So he's a he's uh, you know, he's going through a little bit of a struggle right now. And, you know, it's showing up. They're clearly not thrilled with him because Michael LaFleur called him out last week in green Bay, which stunned me. And, you know, I think Makai's got some uh, issues he's dealing with off the field, not related to um, weight or conditioning that he's going through right now. So um, I think he's still a play with very high upside. Yeah. It's um, something Charles McDonald said that he saw it last year practice. Even Jordan Jenkins gave him trouble during his rookie training camp. And then like, he slowly kind of progressed. And by the end of camp, he like kind of hit the ground running week one and it was kind of all forgotten. So you know, maybe some guys are just also practice first game players. I've noticed, I don't know, I was much better in games than I was in practice. Um, but, you know, everyone, I guess everyone's kind of different in that sense. And again, a 22 year old lineman with, they're dealing with other stuff and there's a new scheme, like you expect bumps in the road, but I'm not worried about him long term in any way, shape or form. No, obviously, As long as he keeps himself in good shape and, you know, the injuries, you know, the foot might be a factor still as well, you know, I mean, but he has practice. He had, uh, until he had the concussion the other day, he didn't miss a rep. 
He was out there every day. I think he probably doesn't practice every day. Like Jordan Jenkins, like that's a great example. I mean, he's not the most, he's not as gifted as Carl Lawson, but Jordan Jenkins goes a hundred miles an hour. He plays hard. And I think Makai is learning that even in practice, guys go all out on every play. And I don't know if he does that. So I think that's, he's learning that, you know, you have to practice hard as well as play hard. And uh, like you said, he's 22, he's going through a a stage of learning and uh, I think he'll be fine in the long run. One, one more just training camp question. Then we just get to the season quickly, but Robert Sal is a guy who, you know, all the clips of him in San Francisco, everyone just fiery, like headbutting guys on the sideline. He's jumping over guys on fourth down stops and the whole thing. And then when I watched him in practice, he seemed very calm. It was like almost like a teacher. Um, just from what I saw, I mean, this is obviously I've only been a X amount of practices, but you just kind of felt like everything was, was excited, but it was kind of a tempered excitement. Have you noticed that? Or is that something that maybe on game day, he kind of flips a switch and it's like this, the, you know, Robert saw running the stairs guy kind of comes out. Is that how you kind of see it? Yeah, he's still running the stairs. He hasn't changed that routine. Picture uh, you of his know, calves was impressive, so he's obviously doing something <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, I, I think, uh, yeah, I, it's a good observation. He's pretty stoic during practice. I mean, I think beforehand, talking to players, you know, when they're warming up, he's, he's you know, fist bumping them and so forth. And, and if anybody's heard any of those mic'd up um, segments that the Jets have posted, you know, he's he's very energetic. But, you know, on the games – you know, everyone told me about him. Like I talked to people who played for him and knew him. They said during the week, he was really calm. And then on Sunday, it would just come out, you know, the passion, the energy when something went well, he just got really excited. And so that's certainly been the case here, but we haven't seen that, that game day excitement yet. And I don't know if we will. I mean, when you're the head coach, it's different. You know, it's, you got a million things running through your mind you, you know, you're flipping back and forth between, you know, on your headphones, between the offense and the defense. And you got, you got your trainer whispering in your ear saying so-and-so has got a hamstring. There are a million different things going through a head coach's mind on a game day. And so I don't think we're going to see Robert Sala chest bumping any players like during the game, maybe at the end of the game, if they secure a victory, but I, I don't think we'll see that per side of his personality during the game. That makes, that makes a ton of sense. Yeah. I think it's kind of an underrated um, just like aspect of being a head coach versus you're, you're worried about so many different things and you're worried about all 53 guys, your entire coaching staff, you know, every single snap as opposed to like, yeah, yeah, you're watching the offense, but you're also scheming up the next drive defensively. So um, obviously kind of getting the season two weeks away here um, or thereabouts before Carolina. And then, you know, there's the QB controversy diversity in new england with the covid stuff and you know and miami's going through their own stuff and you know buffalo's got their own covid issue so the whole division you know i feel like is um it's buffalo's division obviously and i feel it's like miami and new england are the teams competing you know for a second but how do you see this division kind of playing out at least as we stand here on uh, you know on august 26th or 27th how do you see the division playing out is buffalo for you and then everyone else or can you see miami and new england making a jump I, I mean, I think New England will be back a little closer to what they normally are, um, depending on how that quarterback situation plays out. Um, if they go with, you know, I think Cam Newton will be the starter, the opening day starter, and uh, it'll be his job to lose. And I do think at some point he'll go to Mac Jones this year. Um, you know, it's you're probably going to take a step back when that happens. But 
I mean, this is that's such a good coaching staff that I think they can manage that. I think New England will get back. Buffalo will still win the division. I think New England will come in second. I think my, Miami might be in for a little market correction last year. I, th- I think last year they were a product of their schedule last year. I think they beat only one team that had a win- that finished with a winning record last year. So I think there's a weird Rams game during like there was like a hurricane the day like before yeah. that, that weird game yeah. like off just through four interceptions. <laughs> Yeah, so uh, I, I could see uh, I could see Miami coming back a little bit, and, and I think the Jets will come in fourth. I mean, that's that's just the reality of the situation. You know, the Jets just don't have the talent that these other teams have, and and if somehow they finished out of the basement, I think it would be a tremendous coaching job by Robert Sala and his staff. But I just don't see how. How like in terms of like a I'm not, I don't want you to have to give a win prediction because there's still a lot of there's two weeks to go and things could change but where's like the like that win total do you expect in between is it like four to six people a lot of people are in the six to eight window I think with Carl Lawson healthy and Drew Davis from you know day one and all these guys I think they could have you know if they got really on a good roll they could have maybe got to eight and nine wins as the ceiling I think in my opinion it's more six or seven um you know between five and seven feels realistic is that kind of where you're in or do you, you know i've seen some people are taking them to have the worst record in the league which would be things would have to go pretty wrong in my opinion to be you know picking the top two or three again yeah i think i think like houston and jacksonville will probably be down you know in that neighborhood i had the jets at six and 11 before training camp started so i haven't made a final prediction yet but uh that loss and injury really uh is concerning you know, just because of the, you know, how good he was playing, the nature of the position, the importance of it to Robert's scheme. So, and just the fact that they're thin there and they don't have a, an obvious replacement. Uh, so that is concerning. And those young corners is that's concerning. And so I, I don't think I'm not going up to seven wins. I can tell you that I would probably maybe go down to five and 12. Um, if they won seven or eight games, I think it would be a, a really good accomplishment, you know, considering where they were a year ago. Um, I could see them going down to four. I mean, if, if, if Zach Wilson struggles and the defense, the defense is going to struggle. I mean, this defense is going to have some days where they look like a sieve. I just don't see, I mean, Quinnen Williams, if he, it's going to take him a couple of weeks to get going, but I think he and Sheldon Rankins inside could do some damage. And so that's a good thing. They can try to build off that. I think CJ Mosley is going to have a good year. I think he's going to come back and surprise a lot of people. And I think Marcus May is Marcus May. He's a solid guy. But other than that, I just think there's going to be some long days on defense. So I can see this team, you know, probably in the 512 neighborhood. If I'm feeling really generous when I have to make my pick, maybe six, I'll stick with six and 11. I've been on that number the whole time, but yeah, this is just going to be one of those transition years for the Jets. Yeah, I think of the the exciting thing for me, at least, and I know we kind of mentioned this at the top, but it's a transition year in a way that, like, last year kind of felt like a transition year, but it was, like, really difficult to watch and I'm sure to cover. This year feels like it's exciting because at least there's a young quarterback that, you know, is going to be here, and it's like, you, if Zach Wilson's the guy at the end of the year, I think the season's a win. Like, I know that sucks, as it, you know, probably to hear. It's like there's 17 games, and we don't want right. to hear about losing, but – the Jets have their quarterback. I don't, that's like, that's a huge deal. Like I really, I don't think what people, you have the head coach yeah. and the quarterback for the next four or five years, at least. Yeah. Now you can really build towards 2022. Um, and then the one thing I wanted to, you know, kind of just ask you about quickly is there's a lot of you know, these different situations kind of going on in the NFL. 
is there kind of an indication from the Jets of like, I know they don't, you know, I don't think it's not political with the vaccine and all that stuff, but the Jets are pretty much up to date, right? In terms of kind of the COVID stuff, because we've seen a couple of breakouts here in Minnesota and, you know, Washington and Tennessee was pretty bad yesterday, I guess, with nine guys. Is there any indication with the Jets that they're good to go with kind of vaccines and, and that type of stuff? I don't think they're 100%. Uh, they were very, I think early in training camp, they were at uh, maybe 82 or 83. Uh, they, were, they were really close. They were at about 92%. They had maybe five or six players at the beginning of camp. I think some players came to camp uh, and got vaccinated once they got to camp. I don't think they're at 100%. I think one thing you have to credit the Jets for, even going back to last year, now last year was an utter abomination in every sense of the word in terms of football. I mean, I, I don't know what you mentioned it a moment ago, like it, it turned into a rebuilding year, but it wasn't supposed to be. I don't know what they were trying to do last year. It was so bad. But one thing they did Zero do plan. well is, yeah, they, you know, they handled the COVID crisis extremely well. They only had one positive last year during the season, and that was the very last week of the year where Michael P. Ryan, you know, was positive. And so, you know, George Fant was the only one this year so far. You know, he, he, he is vaccinated now, and um, he was not at the time. He was in between. He had one, one of the vaccinations, not the second. So, uh, you know, I, I think the Jets are really on top of that. You know, I think they've the, the people they put in charge of handling that internally have done an outstanding job. And so they've been good. I mean, it, it's it's really they've done a really good job with that. Last uh, last quick thing I wanted to ask you about. I meant to ask you about this before. Kicking has been an issue for the Jets for a long time. And frankly, like, I mean, Nick Folk had the year and Jason Myers, but they, it's been an issue. And I know this is it's a huge deal. No one wants to hear about kicking, but it is the difference a lot of times between the Jets winning four or five and six or seven games could be, you know, those one possession games. Is Matt Andola starting kicker for the, you, you think, or is it somebody that maybe they pick up, you know, gets, that gets cut, you know, in the next yeah, four or five days really, Yeah, they really like him. Uh, he's got a big leg. And it's, pretty, saw, it's pretty jacked up. It's a little Steve Weatherford like. Yeah, you uh, saw it in, in Green Bay last week, and I think it's his job to lose. Now, if he goes out tonight and, and shanks a couple, then I think they'll, they'll, I mean, talk about pressure. I mean, you're going out, you know, every kick is for your job. But if he handles things tonight, I think he'll be their opening day kicker. Now, look, I mean, things could happen. I mean, you never know. Someone becomes available that they didn't expect. You know, things could change. But you're right, Will. It's been a merry-go-round, uh, you know, since Myers. I don't still understand why they let him go. But, uh, you know, they've gone through Catanzaro and Ficken and Corey Vedvik, you know, they thought they had one there. You know, Corey Vedvik, wow, he's he's great. And then he was so freaked out and so nerve rattled in the pregame warmups last year that, that the Jets game. Yeah, I mean, he was he basically was freaked out mentally before the game even started, you know, and then he went out and he and he missed a couple that, you know, ultimately probably cost them the game. So uh, and then he was gone the next day. So Adam Gase had no tolerance for that. So, um, you know, for their sake, I hope they get it right with Matt Amendola. And he was in Carolina's camp, you know, this spring. So maybe kind of an interesting uh, story there. He'll, you know, make his NFL de debut against Carolina. And hits the game winner against Carolina. That'd be pretty, uh, that'd be pretty enjoyable for, uh, for Jets fans over. But 
obviously really appreciate you, you know, taking the time to come on, um, you know, obviously big game tonight for the Jets in terms of kind of breaking down that roster to the 53 man roster, everyone hopefully staying healthy and, you know, kind of work our way towards Carolina, but but just hope for some exciting football over the, the next uh, 17, 18 weeks and, and, you know, hopefully some development of quarterbacks and young players. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's what you're, you know, this week will be, you know, they'll play and then they're off and then they, you know, they practice, you know, Tuesday's the final cut down day. So that'll obviously be a very busy day. And then of course, Wednesday, you know, they'll, we call it roster gymnastics. You know, they're trying to put guys on IR, sneak guys through waivers. And so, you know, that's always like a really busy, you know, for us in the media, like a, you know, a 48 hour period where things are really, really interesting and really crazy and going on. And I think we're going to, I think Joe Douglas will talk to the media next Wednesday after things, the dust settles a little bit and we can, you know, uh, talk to him. We haven't talked to him in a while. So um, that'll be an interesting date. And, and then they'll practice a few more times and then come back after a, a long Labor Day weekend and come back and, and get into game preparation mode for Carolina. It's, uh, it's been a long it's been a long time since uh, Jets game, especially with fans in the building. But um, yeah, like you mentioned, you know, exciting stuff. And um, I'm seeing everyone enjoy the uh, enjoy the game tonight and, you know, get ready to uh, you know get ready for some regular season football coming up. We obviously really appreciate the time, Rich. All right. Thanks. I'm looking forward to regular season two as well. Thanks, Will. <laughs>